A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Robbie Knox and I'm the landlord of The Moon Underwater, a mystical place where guests create their dream pub. Welcome back to The Moon Underwater, where we are with the author, John Niven, creating his dream pub. Before uh, the break, Dan, you giving our serial killer-themed quiz. Take yeah. it away. Yeah, in honour of uh, Stephen Stelfox from um, two of uh, John's books. Um, so, first uh, question was, what was the name of the TV serial killer whose day job was working for the police as a blood spatter Expert Dexter, I was gonna go Dexter, Dexter as well. Dexter, Absolutely. correct, yeah. played by Michael C. Hall. Mm-hmm. Five Emmy nominations for the role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I good the first series, or good two on and drifted away. It did drift off. I think, I think the, f- the first two were really good. And I've four, never seen it, yeah. The series that four with John Lithgow was was brilliant, and then yeah, it did, did the, the last series in particular. Was, John Lithgow. Yeah, I love John mm-hmm. Lithgow. Brilliant. Uh, second question. Which fictional serial killer plied his trade at 186 Fleet Street next to St. Dunstan's Church? Sweeney Todd? Yes, Sweeney Todd. Did you have any idea? I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I knew I'd heard the address, but I didn't, yeah. couldn't remember where from. Yeah. Um, Barbara of Fleet Street. Yeah. 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 There's a journalist called Peter Haining who wrote a couple of books about uh, Sweeney Todd, sort of claiming that he was a real person. Person, oh. yeah. yeah. Um, and he was killing around the year 1800. Um, and was uh, executed a couple of years after that. But right. other researchers kind of looked into it and they don't, they sort of said his sources don't seem and to don't be that reliable. Up, yeah. But uh, yeah, quite interesting. <laughs> and what is the name of psycho serial killer Norman Bates's mother? Hey, I want to say, and I'm sure this isn't going to be right, Dorothy. Dorothy? Robbie, I was going to say Andy. Norma in a sort of, um, in a sort of, I guess, George Foreman style naming <laughs> or Emily Hughes. You're, you're, you're correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Norma. Oh, that was, Norman Bates' mum was Norma. I mean, Norma. That's, just that la- is, that's lazy. Yeah. Come on. That was yeah, a yeah, yeah. wild stab in the dark. Yeah, yeah. I, no. But yeah. as I understand that, I still triumph 2 1. Yeah, you still won. Yeah, you still won. Oh, I got Dexter as well. You got Dexter. No, you didn't oh, get yeah. Dexter. So, yeah. It's a draw. Score draw. Assuming that he didn't just take your wow. take your That's why I don't do pop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fuming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to write them down as we were going through, but then people accused me of Googling the answers. <laughs> so I just had them in my head. But yeah, I mean, both were guesses, to be totally honest. So 
You've, oh, you've, well you've been un- unlucky there. Yeah. Thank you. I feel on top of the world. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> uh, John, you get two spirits and you moon underwater. What's your first choice? Mm. A, I think I chose Laphroaig, which is my go-to malt whiskey. Mm-hmm. There are more expensive and subtler ones. I mean, Laphroaig is actually like opening a bonfire in, uh, on the bar. It's incredibly heavily peated and mm. very smoky. But I guess it's it's what your kind of palate's like the wine thing. I quite like it heavy, and so Lafroix is as heavy as you can go in malt whiskies. Um, well, there's gradations of it. They do cheaper varietals of it that aren't so good, but there's sort of standard. It's about forty quid a pop now, which is a reasonable price point. You know, Glenfark is twelve and fifteen, and even older are all excellent malts. Um, I mean, I, I really like malt whiskey. I've got some friends who are like pff, malt whiskey fiends. And again, it's a whole other world, isn't it? It's like, you know, wine connoisseurship mm. to the nth degree. And like some of these guys, years ago, actually, a couple of them bought barrels and distilleries in Scotland, you know, and, and it's turned out to be the most phenomenal investment because malt whiskey is really? through the roof. I mean, even if you buy a normal bottle of 10 year old Macallan now and keep it for a few years, you'll be able to sell it to a Japanese whiskey collector for five, six times the price you bought it for. And it's like a real, Macallan also is a good malt, but I'd, uh, on the optic, we definitely have Laphroaig. Yeah. You really go through one. It's one of those drinks, I think, that I was I was reading a bit about Laphroaig and about how it's made. And it's, 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 it's so much that, I mean, I've got very little idea about whiskey. Mm. And you start reading about it and you, you can sort of see how you could get sucked in. So it's just like the, the peat that we use to smoke, the barley has got, you know, like seaweed and heather and lichen and that's what get anything oh what? i had no idea that's how it's all it's a put huge together. huge subculture yeah uh, of, of, of malt whiskey uh, obviously when i was a kid malt whiskey because i grew up in a working class of council house the whiskey was like grouse or johnny walker or yeah, at best you know mm. um often cheaper it was just sort of blended scotches so i was well into my 20s before i sort of discovered malt whiskey um and the good stuff but that's kind of again i think you know a uh, king's lamus once talked about philip larkin's poetry said he liked it at the end of the night because the poetry had a density that was equivalent to the heaviness of the whiskey that you finish <laughs> your evening with um and i totally get that you know again it ties mm. into the kind of i'm quite not only the right glasses i'm quite big on the appropriate drink for the right occasion so i'm, I'm a bit of a nazi about people drinking the right thing. Uh, so that a pre-drink, you know, pre-dinner cocktails, you know, a martini or something. I mean, all the, some of these abominations, like a French martini, or a porn star martini, I just want to burn the place down at that point. <laughs> so, and then wine with dinner, and then a digestive after dinner, I'm quite hardcore, and that's how it should go. And so when I see people breaking these rules, I become quite enraged. <laughs> and I, f- I like to see people, a few years ago at the Edinburgh Festival, there's a bunch of us having dinner at a table and just along from us are Brian May from Queen and Anita Dobson having dinner too. And they're both drinking these sort of cock- mad purple cocktails with sparklers. I mean, like, you know, like insane hen night cocktails. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sitting thinking, that's quite mad, but maybe they just fancied a, a live dinner before dinner. You know, go, go with God, my friends. You know, Brian and Anita. And then they... The food came and they ordered more and they continued to drink these sort of hen night cocktails with the food. 
So at this point, I'm thinking, you got to be worth a couple hundred million. Why do you not have a really nice bottle of wine with your food? Yeah. Are you your mind? It was, all, it was all I could do not to invade their table violently. So, yeah, things like that will will, will annoy me. Um, or similarly, if people start drinking cocktails after dinner, I'm like, what are you doing cocktails after? Pre-dinner drink, it's you know. I I don't like being in a restaurant and having the cocktail, and then before you've finished it, they're bringing the the food. And I no. think is that my fault or no, the or the restaurant? No, 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 no. A lot more. As I'm getting older now, uh, Kingsley Lamus also said that a certain age lunch becomes dinner. <laughs> As in lunch is your shot. You know, you don't have enough in the tank after that to start drinking in the evening. But a proper lunch, you should be minimum of two drinks, a cocktail or whiskey, whatever it is, before lunch. Then you sit down and the wine arrives with the food and then you do that. And then, you know, digestives afterwards, maybe port would be acceptable. But, you know. I was out for dinner with a friend the other day and afterwards they said, should we get espresso martinis? Like, that's the last thing think, I can yeah, imagine wanting yeah. at the end of the night. That, that That's another thing. I mean, I get it if you're maybe a teenager and you're wanting to go into a rave club yeah. and buying some espresso martinis. Like, yeah, my, my, my wife's father did that. Not only. He's 73. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> On espresso. Why do you have a porn star martini? Yeah. Why don't you come dancing in the bar? Are you in your mind? What are you doing? Yeah. Jaeger bomb, the other one. Red yeah. Bull, just oh, yeah. Ye- no, yeah. Jaeger no. bomb, that, yeah, that's been, you know, but again, that's big in Ireland. I've seen some some nights go horrifically because <laughs> of, of that. But no, I quite, I, some would say I'm too caught up in the correct way of doing things. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to My do friend it. Alan Parks, a crown of delights in having pints of lager with his dinner just to annoy me. I <laughs> Can't you have a glass of wine like a normal pint? You have to have like a bricklayer. What are you doing? <laughs> What's your other spirit, John? Uh, gin. Any? I, I'm not fussed on the gin. I don't really. I'm not down with the herbal gin culture. No. Um, the whole, you know, gourmet poncy gins, and it became such a big thing in the last few. I mean, I love a martini more than life, um, but you don't really want a really flavoured gin for that. You don't want Hendrix or something like that because. You want a basic, a tankery is always good. But this gin, I mean, my mum never drank gin in her life. And suddenly, because it's like this thing where they have these huge fish bowls of gin and tonic, these yeah. enormous glass, only my mum is drinking gin. And so two two years, three years ago, uh, we generally go to the Caribbean, the winter's Antigua usually. So we're there for a month. And my mum comes out for a week. And we're... Um, she gets this, she, she arrives with this bottle of shithouse gin that's called something like, you know, the London Beef Eater. It's like, you know, it's not, it's not Beef Eater gin, yeah. it's just like this mad bottle of gin. <laughs> and um, it's pink gin, sorry, it's pink gin as well. And I'm like, she gets some kind of mad flavoured gin. So, like, oh no, that's what I have that in the pub sometimes with uh, Mandy and the girls are quite like, and I'm like, this is what you want. Like, what do you want it with? She's like, no, just that. She's like, I'm like, are you sure that's what you want? <laughs> so, she actually pour this toilet gin into a, a goblet and she immediately takes a sip of it and goes, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, you think of these big gin and tonics they make yeah. in the pub, but the best one I ever saw my mum do. And this is again, as I, I once was telling a story in front of Vandy Weatherill, God bless his soul. And I began it by saying, so this was in the 90s, and whether it went never near the most redundant words of the English language, if you're telling us to, of course it happened in the 90s. That's when all our stories <laughs> happened. We're all men now, so we know that. So anyway, this was in the 90s, and my mum was down in London. We are drinking the Groucho Club, and um, we, it, was, it was a few of us there. And I said, what do you want to drink, mum? And she said, oh, a wee martini. Buy a wee martini. 
what my mum meant was Chinzano vermouth with lemonade. And I kind of, I was halfway in our conversation and the waiter heard this, you know, so I'm just kind of, I kind of let it go, partly because I, I thought, well, maybe he knew what she meant, but I was kind of thinking, I want to see what happened. <laughs> so we're sitting there and the waiter comes back across with the perfectly, the frosted glass with the, you know, the bobbing olive in it of clearly just neat gin. So my mom's talking to my friend and he sets it down and I'm sort of watching. She picks it up and takes a gulp of the neat gin and just her face starts collapsing just sort of inwards and she starts spasming out. And I went, Mum, that, that's that's not what you wanted. Let me get you what you want. And she went, oh, no, son, don't, don't, don't waste it. She grabs a bottle of Coca-Cola and tips the Coca-Cola into the martini. I, I mean, and amazingly, the waiter was equal to this. He didn't turn the hair. He was just like, okay, yes, normal. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah, tip a pint of Coca-Cola into your martini. Did you taste it? Yeah, oh, God, no. But I, I said, I, I was begging him not to drink it. I'm like, please don't drink that. I'll buy you whatever you want. No, no, I'm not wasting it. She's so sitting there like a lunatic drinking a martini and Coke. Yeah. I am... Um, I'm always Romanian, so we're in Romania a fair bit. And the, the worst thing that I've seen Romanians do with drink is we were out for dinner and we, we had wine with the main course and we had a red wine and I was just sipping mine and it was fine. And then they all started just pouring their Coke into their red wine. Oh, yeah, that, no, there's a thing in that. And I'd never, I'd never seen that before in my life. Yeah. And I, I was like, open, I don't, I don't even care, but I was just open mouth. I've never seen anyone put Coke in. No, no, kids. Young, I've seen it in in Rome a few times. Yeah. Young kids, and in Spain, it's a it's a thing over there. There's, there's a name for it, uh, which escapes me right yeah. now. Yeah, um, the red wine and coke thing. Yeah, not for me, but it's a strange. I try and get my mum on thing. it. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this on here before, but um, I was once when I my first job in London, a TV studio. I was earning ten thousand pound a year. So not flush for cash, but we found a bar. A lot of money in 1972. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Um, but we, we, we found a bar, on, I think on Greek Street, it was called Moonlighting Club. And they had a night called Cheapskates where every drink was 60 pence. So it wasn't your brand name spirits you were getting. <laughs> um, but you could sort of, it was like I was Puff Daddy there. Because I was like, okay, hey, have a drink. I got to chat to some guy at the bar. And he ordered a lager and lilt. And I said, "Oh my wow, God! What, what, that's what, that's what? amazing." I said, "What do you call that?" He said, "An Aswad Shandy." <laughs> oh what were the proportions? I don't, I don't, I don't remember a great deal about those nights. Do you remember a terrible spirit called aftershock? Yes, oh, that yeah. was like your little cat, you know. At a wedding once, we invented a cocktail called the Posh Jockey, which, <laughs> which was aftershock and champagne. Oh, wow. Thought, yeah, we've always done terrible, terrible things to champagne back in the 90s. Do you remember our friend Jim's wedding in Toulouse? They had a drink oh, there. Yeah. It's this, is it like a, la, it was like a violet? violet yeah. It's like a violet syrup. Yeah. And you put it into champagne. Yeah. Yeah. I drink it, and we called it Millionaire's Vimto. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it tasted a, just like Vimto. Like a lot of Millionaire's Vimto. When we were students yeah. in Glasgow, we'd sometimes mix up a saucepan of, believe it or not, Buckfast <laughs> uh, cider and um, iron brew to create a cocktail we called the Equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, trust me, a couple of pints of the Equalizer. <laughs> 
Certainly. Things were equalised. It does level the playing field, yeah. <laughs> Total the playing field. Time to move on to our listener suggestions. Uh, every week, our regular Dan here has um, a suggestion from a listener what you can put in your dream pub. You don't have to accept it. You can outright offensively reject it okay, if you okay. want, whatever you want. Yeah, it's, it's totally up to you. It's your pub. But we've got a uh, message which we're about to hear from Ailsa. Um, yeah, and have a listen. You can accept or reject. Okay. Hi, this is Ailsa. And my suggestion to be added to this week's pub is that it should be almost impossible to find. So behind an unmarked door, down a corridor, down a flight of stairs, perhaps through a series of intricate tunnels, and then a little hatch where you have to say a secret word. Thank you. I'm down with that. I love the speakeasy aspect yeah. to it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always, yep. And again, tying in with her earlier, keep the riffraff out. Yep. Comments. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Is there a risk it might keep you out of an evening if you've already been somewhere? <laughs> well, I've got, I've got, as we've established, I've got form. <laughs> but, you know, I'm assuming I'm going to be good here. <laughs> yeah, a good, a good suggestion. Yeah, good shout, Ilza. I, I once was out with some friends in Covent Garden. This was a year about. 20 to 25 years ago and we found some underground really odd underground pub that was almost just selling cans and stuff it, it didn't maybe have one or two things on. was the interior of it a bit like the sort of canteen in star wars and was, it was like an old sort of beigey sort of cavey yeah i think i was in that pub once in covent garden yeah That's, when you're talking about 90s yeah would have been would have okay, been and it was great and then i Never found it again, I, I, and I had no idea where I it was. I went there once or twice. Yeah, subterranean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I have no idea what it was called. No. Sometimes I think I just dreamed it. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it was, as well. Yeah. It was briefly, I think, quite happening. At yeah. Point back then. It's a strange place. But Weird. I love that idea of places that you yeah. hard I, to find. I like that, the, speak, the sort of modern... Try hard speakeasy where you have to give some code word to some guy. I yeah. find really embarrassing. Mm. Like you have to go up and go, I'm here to see a man about a fish. And they go, come through this washing machine yeah. into the bar. Yeah. I find that a little bit unpleasant. You, you like, often oh. think, don't you, how absolutely mental a time prohibition would have been. To <laughs> yeah. to get out for a drink, was like buying cocaine or something. It's like, I've got to go and meet this guy and get through a hole in the wall and... Yeah. <laughs> what? It's one of pint. Oh, lunatics have decided that. So I go at this for 10 years. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, so that idea is um, accepted straight into the pub. Uh, if you've got a suggestion for something that could go into a guest future pub, you can email me, robbie at moonunderpod.com, with your artistic vision for the pub. Uh, John, you are an AR man, as we've discussed in the music industry, so we're expecting big things from this. You can pick one CD or mini disc to go into the pub jukebox. Mini disc. Well, well I went in quite what, hard on mini disc. I'm trying to bring what it back. Else, what else is going on in 2001? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I backed the wrong horse on this. I went, I went quite heavy into mini disc, I and it did not work out well. The format, but like the sheer brass balls of trying to CD or mini disc. Yeah, what? Yeah. I'm just going to try and bring them back. If I can say it enough, like, maybe, maybe we should give mini disc another chance. So you can have any album on CD or wax cylinder. What would you, you be choosing? Um, uh, I thought about this, and I think if I'm going to be in this pub for a long time, which I think I'm not saying it's a desert island situation, but it might be, it might be in there for a big old session. Mm -hmm. I would choose Sand and Easter by the Clash because it's a it's a three album collection of thirty six odd songs. You got a good three and a half hours of tunes there to um, 
Very sensible. And by the time I rotate through my pre-lunch cocktails, then wine, then Calvados, then yeah, we're going to need three hours. And bring it round nicely. The Clash feature quite heavily in Oh Brother. They do. Brand new book. They do. Yeah. And pubs. <laughs> and no, pubs. No, well, no. well, yeah. You, you, you um, saw Joe Strummer in, in a pub with one of your first yeah, forays well, in London. I tell the story in the book that um, the first time I came to London, which is about, it was a bunch of us came down for a CND march in 1983. And we were all obsessed with The Clash. We'd seen them live in our hometown the year before. They were the biggest thing in our world. And so we... um. We come to London, we do the march, and then we're, we're getting the coach back to Scotland at midnight, and we'll, it's maybe six o'clock, we'll get the evening to sort of spend in Soho. And so we're wondering, when I mean, we looked at the Scousers from the Harry Enfield sketch, just sort of <laughs> wide-eyed, mystified, you know, this wonderland. And we're trying to find a pub to drink. No, first we're trying to find dinner, and we had dinner in the spaghetti factory that used to be, I think, in old Compton Street around there. And I'd never... Coming from provincial Scotland in 1983, the only restaurants I'd ever been in were like Chinese restaurants or Indian restaurants. I'd never been in a modern, sleek Italian with loud rock, playing simple minds and big country and stuff. And the wait staff were all really beautiful girls. It was like, what Valhalla I have arrived. <laughs> Finally, I'm where I was meant to be. And uh, so me and my friend Basil, who's three years older than me, was a great mentor to me in my youth. Um, he really, he'd been Italian, he knew good food. So half the other guys from here looked at the menu and went, Where's the chips? <laughs> that, well, it's an Italian restaurant. Like, they fucking chips. Get this up, yeah. So they just literally left because there was no chips. So me and Basil sat there and this fantastic. I think it was the first time I had carbonara, and I'm like, oh my god, this is just a dream. I am Truman Capote at the black and white ball. <laughs> so we did that, and then we're trying to find a pub with other guys, and we're one round Cambridge Circus, and we see this big pub, The Spice of Life, still there now. Yeah. And we went, oh, we're getting here. So it's like Saturday night, packed. We're up at the bar. And Baz goes to me, don't be very, very cool. And I look around and Joe Strummer and Paul Sounden are sitting in the corner with a bunch of mates. And like, we just picked a random pub, these wow. Scottish buffoons that The Clash are drinking in on a Saturday night. So we're losing our minds. So we're at the bar trying to keep cool and ordering drinks. And I'm thinking, hey, we've got, we've, got, we've, got to, we've got to hang with them. We've got to have a conversation going, this is kismet, it's fate, it's meant to be. So... I, I wait until Joe Strummer goes to the bathroom, give it a few seconds, and then I go follow him in. And I'm thinking, as I, as I go, I'm thinking, mm, what, what, what do I do if he's having a crap? <laughs> uh, loiter outside the door till he amounts. Yeah, Joe, was there, yeah, good. How'd that go for you? Good shit. Or maybe slip a note under the door and go through these possibilities. And I get in there, the, the, the toilet, I don't know if the toilet in the, in the Spice of Life still the same. I haven't been there for years, but it's one of those tiny tiled Victorian toilets and strummers at the urinal. And you're having a piss, and I, so I go to the other end of the urinal. Oh, I should point out the sidebar. That's right. I'm wearing a brand new white biker's jacket that I bought that morning in Carnaby Street. <laughs> that is the, the leather's so new, I'm sort of encased in it. I'm walking like C3PO because this stiff sort of rotating from the waist movement. So I'm at one end of the trough, the coolest front man of his generation is at the other. The strummer's peeing away, and obviously, I'm so nervous I can't even pee. I'm just sort of standing there thinking. Joe finishes and he's washing his hands and trying to go, you know, you know, I think something. I've, I've got it. So I turned to Strummer and go, Joe, um, so it's just him and Paul Simon. And I went, where's Mick? And his face just, I did, what I didn't know, of course, at that point, they were barely speaking just around Mick Jones. Mick Jones was weeks away from being fired from the bank. He was just 
he, the kid vodka, just trumpeted, just went, oh, fucking no, stormed out of the pub. So like, years later, when I saw, decades later, when I saw the Father Ted episode, where Victor Meldrew's in it, and he goes, you'll have yeah. no problem, yeah. What if I got him to see his catchphrase? <laughs> and he fucking hooked it. It was literally, I had lived that moment with Joe Strummer in my youth. I remember just pressing my burning face into the sort of cool tiles of the pub wall. Oh, and then... God. I emerged sometime later in Basil's going, what did he say? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> How many times did you relive, relive that in your head over oh, the years? Oh, still do. Still do. <laughs> I'm having a shower, you know, my brain will think I'll just mug you with this memory for a couple oh. of seconds. Yeah, enjoy this. It's so funny that you, that's your first trip to London. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I first moved to London, I went to... Notting Hill Arts Club for the first time. The first time I've ever been out oh. in Notting Hill and Hugh Grant was at the bar. I was like, Oh, that was, that was <laughs> unexpected. Is that what happened? That's his normal London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's just how it goes. It's Stella Street. My first post-divorce pint. The gin I had in Hull. My nan's homemade buckfast. The rum I drank with Liz Hurley. The lager I stole from the pigeon detectives. Okay, it's time now for a drinking time, John, where the moon underwater will transport you back through history to enjoy a drink from your past with whoever's out there to recreate a drink that you once had and you can have one more drink in that scenario. What will it be? Well, the period I was just talking about of 82, 83 was around when I first started, you know, maybe 83, 84 when I was 17, so I think we'd start going to pubs more often. And as I learned quite quick, I couldn't drink loads of pints. I needed a shot that I could drink. So this is a long preamble soon. So I, I wound up drinking Malibu and Coke. Malibu and Coke. What is that? Oh, is, that, is, that, is it either a tugboat or it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Malibu arriving? Uh, I'm sorry, John. You know, I'm sorry we didn't, we didn't choose one of the nice wines that you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, the, the bottle. I don't remember. What's going on there? What's going on there? You I can don't see. Know. I it used to be well. solid. Oh my yeah. god! You've got Malibu and Coke right yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so um, I'll, I'll pour these while you can. Yeah, would you like one? Guys, I can't be drinking no, this. No. Right? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. You don't have to drink one. I will. I will have a taste of one for science. I no, have. I have not. Do you know what? I'll have to smell it to elevate. Have, back a, have a little. To have a little sniff. Yeah, and then tell us. Tell us the. Tell us the yeah. story. I'll put me open the coke for you. I think you need the combination of both two. What are we? Is that enough Malibu? Yeah. Oh God, that, that's, that's, that's going to say that's quite a lot of Malibu. Okay, so I split that between no, two. No. Glasses, uh, no, no, it's just quite a lot. Not Amish, come on. <laughs> oh boy, I mean, back in the day, probably that proportion or more. So, we've probably gone like three. Oh propor- my god, <laughs> three <laughs> <lots of laughs> coat to one Malibu 1983. I got a sip. You know what? It's not that bad. It's not bad. Don't think with a straight yeah, face I can go back to living this way, but um, actually, it's not the first time in the interview I tasted it. Last summer, my daughter, who's 15, asked for that in the pub in Ireland. And I was like, wow, why do you want that? And she was well, a friend had it, and I quite liked it. I went, do you know, that's that was my drink when I was 17. And uh, she, had, she had two. And I was, I was nervous because I thought, is it not about... Um, I thought it was like a proper spirit. I think it's only like 20 odd percent, isn't it? Yeah, 21%. 20, there you go. 21, I thought it was like whiskey, sort of vodka level spirit, yeah. but no, it's half that strength. 
but yeah, it's so funny that something in her genetic makeup, you know, yeah. craved the same nonsense that I used to drink. So, so why have you picked this Malibu and Coke? Uh, as I say, it was just, I couldn't drink pints and pints. I felt back in yeah. the, the days I wanted um, I wanted a spirit I could drink and I quite I really like coconut. And I think I must have had it by accident somewhere and then thought, oh, that'll do. That's me. Yeah. I'm looking at your face. Oh, man, it's <laughs> so sweet. It's <laughs> the sweetest. We're 17. I mean, we weren't it's, I, I don't think I've drunk it since I was 17. Oh, so did, but did you drink it when you were 17? I, so it's not, similar um, to you because I didn't yeah, really like beer and it, stuff yeah. and I, I, I was out at some... Uh, it was like a camping thing. Like everyone, a load of people going camping, and I, everyone was drinking, and I was like, I, I, I genuinely was like, I just don't really like alcohol. And, and yeah, yeah. this girl said, "I'll oh, try this Malibu coke." Oh, well, that's all right, but it is just because it's so sweet. I think that's absolutely lovely. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. On one level, we have seen what's not to like. It's yeah. sweet and coconutty. Who doesn't like Coca Cola? Why are you a communist? <laughs> Get it yeah. down you. So, who, so when you go back to what was it, eighty two, eighty three? Did you say it was? Yeah. This, this, where, where are you drinking Malibu and Coke? I would have been with? drinking Malibu and Coke with my friends. There'd be Graham Fagan. There would be Basil Peroni. There'd be Alan Crothers, uh, and we would be in the pubs of Irvine High Street, the Turf, the Crown, the Kings, Amanda's, uh, eh, what's the other one? Clubhouse later on. But really, yeah, the, the Turf, the Kings and the Crown were the three big pubs in the High Street, you know. So we'd be in there, or, or, or on, ho on holiday maybe in Blackpool. Something like that, where I'd be at the bar, the bar of the, the tiny B&B, &B, sipping my Malibu and Coke, thinking <laughs> I was Truman Capote. <laughs> okay. Choice. Now it's time for us to find John's dream pub companion, but that is only for those of you who have purchased the Moon Underwater Patreon. If you want to find out more, you can subscribe at moonunderpod.com. And for the rest of you, we'll be back after this short break. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are barred. Welcome back to all you non-Patreon people. A fantastic answer there from John. Uh, there that you will never find out about unless you join the Patreon. <laughs> okay, this is a chance for you now to bar something from your past. Oh, something yeah. Something can never be in here. I feel you might have a few good uh, answers on here. I am, well, not as much yet. That's, I thought this was quite a tough one because, you know, again, I've mentioned King Clemens a few times. He famously would never go into any pub where there was music playing. It existed. There was no music. Um, and you, I, I think I'm guessing... A lot of people might be feeling the same way about screens and laptops mm. and things mm. like that now. So I'm trying to think of some witty answer <laughs> that, you know, yeah. um, I mean, I, I kind of be inclined to ban big TV sports. Yeah. But yeah. then again, if there's a golf major on in the Ryder <laughs> Cup, I'd kind of be ruining that decision. But you could, you, could, you could have exceptions. You're the landlord. Yeah, All right, TVs, so, okay, other than so. showing right, the, yeah, then the, the TV will be sunken into the floor and will only emerge <laughs> trembling on these majestic <laughs> tripods on the occasion four times a year for the golf majors and once every other year for the Ryder Cup. Wow. So there will never be any football or anything like that. So hung cup? Sorry? So hung cup as well? Or just maybe, maybe. maybe. Okay, maybe. Well, yes. I'm, I'm open to persuasion. Okay, you know? wonderful. <laughs> wonderful to hear. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a... There's a time for a TV in a pub, the World Cup for me. Yeah. Um, but I like to, I don't like it when I go to a pub and there's a TV on in the background and it's distracting. People. Yeah. As it reminds me, I got to visit my sort of, some of my relatives in Scotland who so you go around for a visit and the TV's never turned off. Yeah. The volume might be slightly lowered. Yeah. It's just blading away in the mm. background. I'm like, ah, well, yeah. you, your mind, what are you doing? Mm. You get guests here. <laughs> They've also got the big light on, inevitably. Mm. Yeah. Sitting there like a mad Torag with a big light blazing away <laughs> in a TV bar. Who lives like this? What are you doing? <laughs> Buy some sauce lighting, turn the telly off, go the up. I do have a soft spot for a um a local pub um that is not showing sport on the TV, but just randomly has Jeremy Kyle on or something like that occasionally <laughs> or just the, the, the midday news. The shopping channel. Like, yeah. yeah, just a random thing. Drink up, please. It's time. Before we name your pub, if people are new to your work, obviously they should be checking out Oh Brother, um, which we've discussed uh, quite a bit here. As I say, I've, I've finished reading it this very morning. Very moving, very funny in parts as well. The sort of book that makes you both question your own parenting and hug your kids a bit tighter <laughs> when you get home that night. And, and I can't recommend that enough. Um, Kill Your Friends is the book I recommend to anyone who doesn't read a lot and wants a book recommendation. It's it, that it's, it's, it's kind of a, a do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a kind of scorched earth entry point, Kill Your Friends. They're either going yeah. to be, if they get that, <laughs> yeah. they're going to be all the way in. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the Amethyst is maybe a slightly gentler start on Street yeah. White Mail. Um, yeah. But it depends who, you know, because you sometimes recommend books for. An 18-year-old's a bit different to, to your granny. 
Yeah. Not that MD would be saying enough to be recommending my books, your granny. Although that does happen. <laughs> oh. I get I do get a great, you know, all these readers sometimes yeah. saying they, they love my books. And the, the best, uh, you get the odd complaint letter. The best one I ever got was this a man wrote to me, <laughs> it's a handwritten letter, mind you, that came via my publishers saying, just dear John Nevin, my wife bought me your book, The Amateurs, because it's meant to be about golf. I've never read such insane, deranged filth, <laughs> garbage, like, we're into uppercase, you're like, garbage, you might be. This guy was furious. And he gets to the end and he says, P.S., um, I... I attacked the book with scissors and then threw it in a skip to make sure no one else can ever read it. Wow. I, went, I don't think this guy got that they may have printed more than one copy yeah, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a crazy bid to at the random house group to turn the profit. They may have printed more than one book, you fucking idiot. I think books I've not enjoyed, but that, I mean, that is a lot of work. He, yeah. he was, I mean, this letter sort of rambled over two pages. You've still got a copy of it somewhere. Oh, if he'd have ended that with PS, I absolutely fucking loved it. It would have been the <laughs> yeah. best letter you've ever received. Yeah. Well, my friend, he did not love it. No. <laughs> I remember when I worked at Soccer AM, a presenter of Tim Lovejoy and Helen Chamberlain, and someone wrote in asking for a signed photo of Helen, of Helen Chamberlain. But we only had joint ones of the two of them. So I, just came, I sent him a signed photo of of the two of them mm. and, he, and he sent it back saying no I don't want the photo with Tim I just want Helen Chamberlain <laughs> so I I then got another photo I told Tim about this got him to sign it to the guy just to him not Helen signing it and sent it back saying so I'm really sorry about the mistake here's a photo that you're after it was just Tim going hi John thanks for your support always nice to meet a fan love Tim and all this sort of stuff and he sent it back again really angry so I did the same thing and cut Helen out of it so it was literally just Tim and then sent it back to him as well for a I while I mean the effort involved in you know, yeah. posting it back you think yeah. shut up <laughs> Um, so yeah, so a lot, a lot of things there to check out. But I personally would recommend uh, Kill Your Friends and, of course, Oh Brother. Right, John, it's time now to name your pub. What are we going to be calling your version the, of the? This is the hardest thing because uh, you're immediately into competing with the great fictional pub names. You know, the Slaughtered yeah. Lamb from uh, American Road from London, Super Hansies, Free the Pedos, or <laughs> later modulated to the Swan and Pedo. Yeah. Um, I've, I've really been wrapping my brains in this to try and cut off a good one. Um, I, the, there was there was a pub I always liked on the Barhead Road, which is the road, not anymore because there's a motorway now, but the old road that connected Irvine to Glasgow. There was this really disgraceful looking sand, wind blasted white building pub that was just called Gene Gibbies. <laughs> it was just clearly the name of the woman who owned it that was up in sort of neon. Gene Gibbies. And that we used to drive by, it's near Barhead. We used to drive past this all the time in my sort of late teens, you know. And it was always, somebody, as we drove past it, someone would always say, Gene Gibbies, in that sort of <laughs> voice. So it, we, we never ever went into it. It was too terrifying to even contemplate getting in. So I thought, you know, in the spirit of Gene Gibbies, if I had a pub, I'd probably just John Nevins. I love it. <laughs> John Nevins. I love it. I would happily have a drink. No John, John Nevins bar or John Nevins pub, just John Nevins. Imagine yeah. just John Nevin. Yeah. Huge yeah. facade. Sounds like, like a bookmaker's, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's quite egotistical, but... No, I love it. My, my friend John Carter, the DJ who I managed back in the 90s, once gave a great answer to something like this. He was doing an interview for some music paper, and the last question was, 
how would you like to be remembered? You know, cause everybody always goes, you know, as a, as a good man or someone who tried yeah. to be right or about some of the wonderful music I made or my children, or some of that baloney. John Stansler, how would you like to remember John Stansler was like a 50 foot statue in Hyde fucking Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, so filling that, the bar, John Nevins. Maybe have you. a statue of yourself outside <laughs> just to fully <laughs> let people understand exactly on what the they're getting of, into. Yeah, on the roof of the pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the size of the Statue of Liberty. Gold. Fantastic. John, it's time to re- return to the correct realm. But Dan, will you let us know what John is taking with him in his dream pub? Yeah, his dream pub. Uh, draft choices were Guinness and Stella. Bottled choices, uh, a Montrachet. And have I said that right? Montreux. Yeah, you yeah. Have. And um, and a red from Chateau Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, spirit choices: uh, Lafroig and any gin, mm-hmm. any gin at all. Um, you accepted Elsa's listener choice, which was that a pub's going to. You have to find it. It's going to be a little bit hidden away. I like that. Yeah. Uh, your jukebox choice was a uh, Clash triple CD Sandinista. Mm-hmm. Drinking time was Malibu and Coke, which we've. You two have enjoyed. Yeah. Yep. And um, you have barred big TVs except for when there's golf majors and the Ryder Cup. Good. And maybe the Solheim Cup. Good. And you've uh, called your pub John Niven. <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having you me, guys. Head really, out into the night. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.